Sound Design. Technology fails and you need to take decisions and fix it fast. And without knowing what is going on in the network, you will fail. Sound Design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the home of the world's best online training and sound system tuning that you can do at your own pace from anywhere in the world. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by audio engineer and trainer, Baldo Felush. Baldo, welcome to Sound Design Live. Thank you. Hello, Nathan. Did I say that correctly? Baldo Felush? Baldo Felush. Now, the first time we talked, you told me that this is a really unique name, right? You said something like there's only 30 people in the world with this name? Yeah, somehow around like that. Um, and all related to our family. It's not like Müller or Meyer or... And no one knows where it came from. So no. someone just invented it at some point and then now there's a few of you. We don't know where it came from. All right, Baldo. So what is your favorite test track for checking crossover alignment between main and sub? I would use something with... Um, impulse and kick and bass and normally i play some of my tracks that i'm working on in the studio and that is not uh, finished ongoing productions and so i have two birds with one stone check the system and check the track Yeah, so I'm just learning about this. So not only do you teach audio networking, and you also teach the lake controller, yeah. and you also de do some teaching around uh, audio analyzers, but mm. you're also a musician, and you're also an audio engineer. So um, how long have you been working on music? I guess 25 since you years, were a kid? Around 25 years. Wow, okay. Yeah. Is it mostly by yourself? Are you working with partners? I, I like to work alone. And sometimes mm -hmm. I work with partners, other DJs. I do techno music. Some you know the rock and roll guy says this is no music, <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't, but I don't care. Even if you're making music by yourself, if you're working on shows and you're using that music to test the sound system, yeah, you're guaranteed that somebody's going to hear your music. <laughs> yeah, maybe the lightning guy <laughs> will buy it. <laughs> Even yeah, if that, people that's don't not like the it. intention. No, no. <laughs> I would love to know how you got your first job in audio, like your first paying gig doing something related to audio. Okay. Hmm. To be honest, that is uh, something I I don't really remember. Um, What did you study in college, for example, university? I work as an employee in a German rental company with uh, about 400 employees. Oh, wow. And I'm um, the head of uh, technology and innovation there. So mm -hmm. I also have to do with video and light and rigging and IT stuff. And um, the way I found into that company was that I was working in a studio on uh, commercial productions for mainly radio and television shows. And someday yeah, I had a voice recording for a big company and... During that show, we figured out that this has something to do with weapons. We thought it is something to do with spacecrafts, you know, NASA stuff, but it was weapons. And then we canceled, uh, I canceled the job and said, please leave the studio. Um, I don't work for the weapon industry. And oh, wow. um, on my way home, I thought, you need a new job. And... I saw this company that I when I go down from the autobahn to my 
um, house where I lived at that time. And I just get there and ask for if they do audio. And they said, we're going to build this up right now. We are a video company. And I said, okay, I do it. And I'm still there 20, 20 years later. <laughs> That's so funny. So you were working in another studio. You decided yeah. you didn't want to work there anymore. Yeah. You left. And in the same day, on the way home, you just stopped somewhere else and got a new job. Yeah. Weeks, not the same, not, not the next day. Yeah. But oh, okay. I, the decision <laughs> it was, was the exact I, same day. That's yeah, yeah, not the exact same day. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't nighttime. So the, the, the okay. company was closed when I get home. What I want to ask you is what you have done, looking back on your career so far, to make sure that you're getting more of the work that you really love. Yeah, the overall decision uh, to to spend my life with things I'm passionate about, and this is um, things you can hear, and uh, a lot of knobs, a lot of knobs too. <laughs> I like knobs, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I uh, I quit school and uh, then I uh, worked as an electrician. And when I was 20, I had um, a back injury. What's the name? A disc disc pro proposal. When you have a slipping disc on your leg. Sure, a slip yeah, disc. A yeah. slipping disc. Yeah. And then I um, thought, you need to change your life and now you go for audio. Because you know what? Um, when I tried to study audio, they didn't want me um, in the university. Oh, wow. In Düsseldorf, they, they said, I am not qualified for studying tone engineer. It's a name here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said, we are uh, a music high school. We want musicians to turn the knobs. And right. I replied somehow, you know, uh, okay, uh, a good musician will always work as a musician and go for uh, this kind of career. And then you filter all out all unqualified musicians to turn the knobs. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, it's crazy. Um, uh, okay, have fun with these outdated classical productions. I'm out and go my own way. And um, yeah, 25 la years later, the students come visit me at my training seminars and learn how to do network stuff. <laughs> Well, both the things have worked out for you now. Uh, it seems like you have a really great business doing education, and I assume you're still working as an engineer, right? You're still working yeah. on shows and installations. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Recently, you posted in the smart user group on Facebook that okay. you had this um, kind of system tuning homework you had put together, and I was really intrigued. So I checked it out, and that's why I reached out to you for the interview. So in your exercises for FFT, you mm -hmm. suggest that I shouldn't be wasting my client's time learning how to use my audio analyzer in the field, mm -hmm. but this is one of the biggest challenges <laughs> we as sound engineers have with learning our learning sound system tuning, right? So how do I practice at home when I don't have a PA? Yeah, great question. And um, I asked that question to myself for... Uh, for a long time and you know what when um, when i started with um, audio unfortunately it was not possible at that time to think about such things in the beginning i learned uh, nearly everything about measure, measuring um, measuring software and um, tuning pa systems and whole from volker Löwe from the if bincon in south germany and at this time he worked with um, DOS-based Melissa system, and yeah, he was very patiently with me, and I all, always answered my stupid and silly questions. <laughs> and 
that's why I made these exercises uh, to give people the chance to do some homework and it works. You don't have the wavelengths, you don't have the microphone and the air and a speaker. So you have to live with that situation. Um, when it's okay, then you can try things out in, in the train or, or on the on in the plane or when you travel. Mm -hmm. Use that time yeah. to exercise and train your steps to tune a PA system. You 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 ask um, how should I do it, and um, it's normal to do it on a job. Yes, it's normal to do it on a job. I did it myself. But you know what? Um, at least you have to know that you are playing around and learning things on a job when you get paid for. And um, the other guys around you are professionals and um, you should not annoy them with your learning curve. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> and sometimes I see this and I don't like it. And I thought, what can you do? And then I figured out, I have an idea. Let's make these exercises with a DAW. And yeah, it works. So what you've done in this logic session is basically, from, from what I could see, you've got a series of channels that basically have signal generators on them. And then also in those channels, you have different plugins that are going to make changes that are going to create the exercises. So that's where the material comes from, right? Instead of a speaker in a room, it's yeah. a signal generator in the DAW. No, the signal generator is in in, uh, in your measurement system, and it's routed through your door. And the uh, the signal uh, processing this is um, um, in the door. Got it. Okay. So I don't know if we can get into this right now. It might take too long. But this is one of the first questions that I had when I first opened it up. I mm -hmm. wasn't quite sure how to route everything. So maybe you could just give us an overview. So the signal generator comes out of. Uh, smart or whatever our audio analyzer mm -hmm. is, and then it has to get into logic, right? Correct. It's it's just like uh, your system under test in real life. Yeah, and it, you need the software to route audio from and to your measurement system if you share one computer for your measurement software and your door. Uh, but also you can use a second uh, computer and use interfaces. Yeah. And then, then yeah. you have your measurement machine with an interface and a second machine with a door and an interface. It's the same thing. Yep. It's just a, it's just an option that works today that you can route audio inside a, a computer with software like Dante Via or Soundflower or JackOS. So you don't need two machines and your setup is very small. And with one laptop, you can exercise the steps that you need to know and uh, walk through on your production. Um, um, all these things like setting up and fired subwoofers, face alignment tops and subs and things like this. You should know the steps and train yourself that you are fast. And also it is a good option to learn more about yeah, the signals that you measure and your software, measurement software itself. It's not voodoo. It's just a door setup. No, and, and people should know that the the exercises are pretty simple once you get the routing done. And I think yeah. that's so important because you're totally right. Like there's so many times when <laughs> we get a new piece of equipment or something and then we kind of just show up in the field with it. And then there's a bunch of time wasted just trying to get the thing up and running where yeah. if we would have done a little bit of practice at home, you know, we could have felt more confident and got more work out of it. Okay. Yeah. Then And then you, you, you save your time. 
because you do your homework and on on the production you have more time and you can uh, yeah try more things out to sure. get more options if you waste your time with your setup then no that's not good that's not professional Bodo, one of the very first things i learned from you in your fft self-guided homework is that i can find the frequency and the time period of a comb filter by dividing the number one by yeah. the first frequency dip and dividing that by two. So so let's say that I were to find the first dip at 50, as you give yeah. it the example, 50 hertz, then that yeah. would be one divided by 50 divided by two, which would be 10 milliseconds. So okay, that's that that's is true. clear enough in the exercise. I guess I'm just wondering... What do I do with that information? How does this information help me in my sound system setup? If I measure a dip with your in your magnitude, okay, you you, you measure a system under test and you you have a dip in your magnitude, okay, that's the situation. Then I uh, read the dip frequency, let's say fifty hertz, and then I double the frequency, it's hundred hertz, and um, I calculate the wavelengths. Example, uh, 343 meter per second divided um, by 100 hertz is 3.4 meters, correct? Right. And this is a, a past length difference that is causing these dip. Maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not always. Maybe. And then I ask myself, is here is the measurement set up, the situation that I'm using here, uh, is there um, some issue with this um, past length difference? Maybe a floor bounce or a reflection from a wall, direct reflection, or a case or a monitor standing somewhere. Yeah. And then I know... This is a cost. Don't use an equalizer. Got it. So, so two things, two pieces of information you're taking away there. I can estimate where that reflection might be coming from. Yes. And so, so there may be an opportunity there for me to make a change where I either move that thing if it's an obstruction I can move, or maybe I re-aim the speaker. But the most important thing is that I know if that's caused by a reflection, I can't fix it with EQ. Correct. And of course, you also have an energy time curve and can you can read the, the, the timing difference directly. And, um, you, know, you know, Smart has this feature that you that it can calculate um, the wavelengths and show it directly. It's just an, another option. Yeah. Um, because uh, the next thing is, um, what's the level difference between the original signal and the reflective signal? that also make something with a, a level of the dip. And it's also part of, of, the, of the exercise that you know um, how much level offset is causing how much dip. Oh, sure. So you can kind of estimate the, the distance away. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool feature that um, I didn't discover until recently in Smart is that under the options somewhere, one of the options menus, I think, I guess for the impulse response, or I guess it would be for cursor cursor readout yeah you can um check a little box that says also tell me what the wavelength is of this frequency yeah that's a nice option all right so later in the guide you also teach about how to calculate the fft size necessary to remove a reflection from the measurement so this is related to the comb filter because if we discover this comb filter is being caused by a reflection from something and i can estimate where that is I wonder if you would recommend using this FFT size option to maybe window out that comb filter. Is this is this appropriate to do in the field? No, 
Absolutely no. Uh, you totally misunderstood this. Sorry. Maybe I need to watch my video again because my English is not that good. And uh, <laughs> no, you didn't say that in the video. I'm I'm totally making this up. No, this is this is wrong. You can't do that. Um, I just wanted to show what an FFE, uh, FFT size is about. For example, measuring with um, 48 kilohertz means um, one second divided by 48,000 samples. That is uh, a sample length of 20 microseconds, right? And um, then um, one divided by the sample length multiplied with the FFT size. Uh, this is the lowest wave period that is fits to one cycle, and that's the lowest frequency that you can measure. In this example, with a 48K and 512K um, FFT sized, it is 10.67 milliseconds, I guess, and it's, um, yeah, you divide one by, by, by this time, and it is 93.75 blah hertz. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's all. If you want to remove a reflection from your measurement, then you need to time window your measurement. And then you also pay with the lowest frequency that fits to this um, window by one cycle. And with a software like uh, SysTune, you have the, the these options to uh, choose uh, um, time frequency constant, the TFC window. And um, if you set this to one millisecond, this is always, the, the, the field is always for 1K, then it will half the time with each octave up. So each frequency is one period of time. Below 1K, it is doubling this size. So you measure the whole spectrum with just one cycle length and then you window out the uh, reflections from your live measurement. Yeah, this is something that uh, Sistune can do. One of my favorite lines from your videos, which by the way, if people want to get your these FFT training exercises, they can get them for, you know, something like $10 on your site. It's a really good price. But even if you don't go through and actually download the the trainings uh, yourself, you have videos that go along with them. And I learned a lot from just watching the videos. One of my favorite lines from the video is, now you don't have friends in catering because your measurement signal is too loud. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I, I, I live at corporate events. I have to deal with a circular source, you know. And, you know, in any kind of events, we're working around other people, but especially in your larger corporate events, like there's always people who need to be in that room at the same time as you. You yeah. know, the catering people have a million plates and knives and whatever that they need to set out. So how can we get along with them better? How loud does my measurement signal need to be in the room? Or maybe how quiet can I make it so that I don't lose friends in catering? <laughs> the first thing is, if you don't want to lose friends, don't try too much on your, on your production. Do your okay. homework at home. <laughs> That's the first thing. Just do the work that you need to do. You have to live between these lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how, but how much uh, signal to noise ratio do you need for a measurement? Yeah, um, you know that's uh, one thing you can learn from the from the exercise. Yeah, just figure it out. 
use this exercise and uh, decide for yourself how much it would be. Uh, if you measure 10 dB louder than the noise floor, then you have a 3 dB ripple and you measure 20 dB louder than you have 1 dB ripple. I would prefer 0 dB ripple, but uh, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah, we also have uh, room uh, room acoustics yeah? and uh, we, we measure these uh, line arrays. Um, these are still modern these days. They all have these uh, ugly side lobes um, and vertical pattern implosions and you all measure that stuff and uh, therefore a uh, um, increasing the level will not help. Yeah, If I increase my measurement level, I also increase my room level. And um, f from that side, I will not uh, I will not win. Yeah, it's just um, fighting against these circular saws and people um, uh, yeah, working in the room. I always try to get these hour when they are in the catering and then I do my job and when they come back, I'm finished. Oh, I see. So when everyone else goes to eat, that's when you yeah. make noise. Yeah. And I like what you said about the room being linear. You can't scale up or down your noise and, and expect the room to change. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the other things that you teach, things that I am less knowledgeable in, which is why I started with the audio analyzer stuff. But okay. I, want to, I want people to get a sense of some of this other stuff that you teach, which they'll have to come and see you in person if they want to take your course. But... Um, let's talk about lake controllers and audio networks. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, really basic question, what is a lake controller? The lake processor is just a remote software for lake processors, yeah, like the LM44 and um, LM26 and the PLM amplifiers. They all have built-in DSP power that can that do the calculation and the lake controller is just the yeah the the remote software for that at the time i started with that it was 2003 here in germany and at that time nobody knows the lake controller and yeah i think five or six years later i started training that because they i had all these phone calls from my freelancer colleagues They'd ask you, me, hey man, you just uh, know how it works. Can you show it to me? And then we have uh, these appointments, just one guy sitting there in a meeting room and I go through the software. Every day I figured out I changed my order of uh, explanations, how it works. And then I thought, man, you sit here every four days. Uh, it makes sense that five or ten people come together and it may make sense that I think about how to teach uh, the order of things you'd need to know for understanding the software. And sure. that sort of training was born. Well, from what you've said so far, I can tell that it is a controller for my DSP. So the lake controller is how I remotely make changes to my level, delay, EQ, all that stuff for the outputs, correct? Yeah, correct. Since I'm not super experienced in lake controllers, what I'd love to just ask you is, what do you think is one of the most common mistakes you see people making who are new to the lake controller? You know, um, the most guys that came to that um, training, they are professionals and working for 20 years plus in the industry. Um, and they need some one-day training to get fast and know all the functions and know the phil philosophy of, the, of a lake system. Um, yeah, maybe this is the first uh, mistake that, uh, that you make in your head to think it is a matrix system, but it's not. Um, it's, it's more like a cash register system. Yeah, think about you are a restaurant and you have a map of, a, uh, of the room, okay? And then you place tables inside the room 
and then on these tables there are sitting people ordering food and drinks okay that's the situation and um, the room is your venue and the table is your speaker system or speaker subsystem like uh, yeah a part of it main system left right center Uh, subwoofers, delay one to five, um, outfill one to five hundred six, uh, front fills, things like that, and um, the guest order is uh, level, delay, equalizer, limiter, and then uh, working with a system with a lay controller is where, what, and then touch and turn. Yeah, this is how you make your decisions, and this is how you see your levels and your gain reductions in the subsystems yeah and maybe the second um, mistake this always pops up every june when the festival season starts here in germany um, people um, think that the lm44 that they're using for the front of house breakout through the system and mixing together some desk yeah like support band and uh, main acts and things like that and um, there is um, yeah there is one thing um, that is not really that has not really good names um, and people think the LM44 has a separate converter, but it doesn't have a separate converter. Okay, it has one separate converter, um, but it has no separate converter in the digital inputs. Oh yeah, that was 2008. Before uh, the Lake controller, um, before the Dolby Lake processor had the option for Dante, um, they the two clock domains was named primary and secondary clock. Okay, you have two clock domains. And you can match these two clock domains with one separate conversion process, which is automatically in the background. But you don't have a separate converter and inputs. And that's the most common mistake, because it's labeled separate converter now. Um, because when the Dante network was introduced, um, there, were new, there were new names for the network connections, Dante primary and Dante secondary network. Got it? Got it? And so the people messed up with the primary clock and the secondary clock because they thought this one is for this, this network and this right. one is for that network. And, but it's not. So the late guys decided to give it new names. Good idea, but unfortunately, bad names. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would prefer just to have a clock domain one and two. <laughs> Why do I need to understand audio networks? Isn't Dante and AVB just another fad that's going to go away in a few years? If you retire in a couple of years, you don't need to know everything about network stuff, maybe. But uh, <laughs> in your age, you will die out, I, I swear. <laughs> you won't survive without network. It's coming more and more. More and more yeah. things are going towards network. And so yes. this is the need for your training. This is the need for us as audio engineers to understand more and more about how audio networks work. And exactly. so I was just thinking about that first conversation that you and I had when we first talked about a month ago, where we were both talking about, ah, this is something we can't escape anymore. It seemed like maybe a few years ago, I was kind of like, I guess I need to know a little bit about, but now it's like, no, seriously, if you're a sound engineer, you're also, you also need to know about audio networking. You just can't escape it anymore. Once you transport your show relevant signals over IT technology and only over IT technology. I don't mean a, a failover thing and you have a plan B with analog or Mali or something like that. Just the option for network. Do you know these systems that have only connections for networks? Yeah, I've, I think I've only ever worked on 
one show that was audio only network only I think yeah. most shows I've ever worked on have been have had some sort of backup system that's still analog, but I think that is going to be. No, that's not true. Most of the shows that I work on now are <laughs> only audio over. See, it's so normal now. I don't even think yeah. about it. But now, like, we have only AES fifty or only Dante. So yeah, you're right. There's so many shows that are only audio over IT now. And as soon as you only have the IT technology to transport your show-relevant signals, it makes sense that you know how a network works to fix trouble you may have because working with technology means technology fails and you need to take decisions and fix it fast. And without knowing what is going on in the network, you will fail, I swear. And unless this happens, you don't need IT technology knowledge. Yeah, it's like one of those Murphy's Laws. Like if you verify every step in the signal chain, nothing will happen. But the one thing that you don't verify or test, that's the thing that's going to break just because you didn't look at it. From my point of view, it is if you use uh, IT technology for your tr signal transport, you need to know something about this technology because it's not passive. It's active technology. It's not a straight yep. copper cable. It's something with uh, power supply units and something with a processor that takes decisions for you. Yeah, And you better know how this device takes the decisions and influence it the way you need it for your production. People, they say, I don't need to know about IT technology. And then mm -hmm. you have some issues and you had to fix it. And it most mostly it worked, but they, you don't understand why it works. Yeah, That's the best case. The worst case is uh, it doesn't work and you don't know what why. <laughs> So it's better to go in the best case direction and learn something about that. Um, and as long as you have a um, telephone joker or IT guru in your environment, um, you won't learn about IT technology. And if you still have to learn all these things about pro audio when you start a career, you know, it's, uh, you have all these things like microphones, um, mixing desk, uh, amplifiers, uh, line array systems, speaker systems, all these things you need to know. And then this IT thing came also up. Mm, yeah, I know it's very hard, um, but that is um, why the people come to my trainings. They want to know what was the problem and understand what's, what's under the hood. Yeah. There's so many times I've seen on shows and things that have happened where something, we just barely got it to work, but we don't really know why. So we don't know that the problem won't happen again in the future. Yeah, th that's why I do my job. I, I want to know what's going on. Yeah. And people, they feel the same, they come to me. Yeah. And when I go to a training, it's the same. I want to know how it works and, uh, um, or, or how do you work? I sure. attend to, to training classes, they all have the same agenda, yeah? but uh, the people are different and the experience are different. I don't want to uh, know that all. What is, what is audio for you? Bodo, could you tell me about the biggest or maybe most painful mistake you've made on the job and how you recovered? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can't uh, think of anything? <laughs> yeah, okay. To make a long story short, maybe I pick out 
One thing. Yeah, um, there was a yearly annual shareholder meeting of a big German car manufacturer that American drug dealers like to drive in Hollywood films. Okay. <laughs> and uh, a um, yeah, mixing desk had a failure, uh, and the chairman uh, of the board doesn't want to interrupt for 30 seconds. At that time, it's about 20 years ago, the redundant systems uh, need some yeah interruption. There was no seamless failover technically possible at that time, you know? Um, the situation why I was... Um, in this situation was uh, a sales guy brought me there, you know. He uh, somehow commanded me the setup because of availability of gear. And I was uh, very young and new to the business. And uh, from that day on, I never had questions about my weapons of choice for situations like these again. That was a profit of this uh, issue. Um, wow. And somehow I am the CRE the chief redundant engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also with people, it's good to have a backup, yeah? Uh, okay. Yeah, not only technology, only with, for, with people. And uh, maybe this is a second story. Um, and it's uh, painful in a true matter, <laughs> okay? That was painful for learning. But um, I have another uh, um, example for a really painful sure. situation. Oh, man, okay. Another... another um, yearly annual meeting from the Deutsche Telekom years ago uh, with uh, 10,000 people or something like that. And the day before show start, um, I felt a little pain in my tooth coming up. Yeah, But I don't want to go to the dentist. Also, I didn't have the time because we have to work till the late in the evening Yeah, with all these rehearsals. Okay. And then um, show day, 6 a.m., get in, waiting for... You know, all these things that are going around there um, at these kind of shows. You know, first four hours waiting for nothing. Um, one hour later, 7 a.m., the pain gains. Uh -oh. my, my head feels like implosion. Oh, Another no. hour, 8 a.m., I leave the front of house desk. I was a primary engineer to primary desk. And the secondary operator from the secondary desk took over my primary job, uh -huh. and I called a new secondary operator and go straight to the dentist. Oh, okay? man. Yeah, yeah. and 9 a.m., the dentist extract my tooth, and 10 a.m. back to show start. That's <laughs> redundancy and it's Are best. you serious? And you really, made it back really, before the show started? Me, really, really painful. <laughs> oh, my God, that's crazy. Wow, you're dedicated. Yeah. Okay, redundant systems. And what did you call it? Chief redundant officer? That's pretty good. <laughs> Chief redundant engineer, yeah. Chief redundant engineer. <laughs> yeah. CRE. And also, this, uh, it sounds like nice because um, don't take yourself too serious, you know. There sure. are so many sound designers out there. They think they have the, the one thing why everything is better than from all the others. And I don't like this stuff. It's just physics. Yeah, that's such a good point. And we, we want to feel like... Um, we have job security because we're special and unique, but the truth is that if there's some part of the show that can't be replaced, that's a problem. Yeah, but you know, I'm sure that we both can be replaced in in an hour. Yeah. yeah it's no problem. The show will go on and it's good. There is no superstar in audio. So, Dwaldo, I'd love to know what's in your work bag. And I know you have a lot of stuff, but maybe there are a couple of unique or favorite pieces that you could tell us about. Yeah. First flush Darjeeling from the Garden Pusimbing. What? 
Yeah, it's tea. Oh, from okay. the region. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't live I without my tea. I thought that's what you said, and I was yeah, like, what? I can't live without my tea. It's, a, it's a, yeah, it's a, the garden is in uh, uh, in India, in the triangle between Nepal, Bhutan, and Bangladesh, and I prefer the first flush Darjeeling from the garden Pusimbing. and that's what I carry in my toolcase. And nice. all other things are just tools. You okay. know, you need what you know by yourself. I am not you. And if you want to have a look in my toolcase, come over to Cologne. You can look in my toolcase. All right, I'll be right over. Uh, yeah. I would prefer to recommend you need an ocean full of options and the wisdom to choose the best. This is a real deal, not a tool. Yeah, it's just a tool. Mm -hmm. Know your options and choose it well. Okay. That's the best toolcase you can make for yourself. But what's one book that has been immensely helpful to you? Yeah, I've just finished it. Um, Factfulness from Hans Rosling. You know, our brain is misleading us all the time. It has to do it because it uh, uh, saves us from um, psychological uh, illness. Yeah, um, But um, it showed me a totally different way about the point of view to the world and um, real facts. Yeah. I just I would recommend go to the website uh, gapminder.org uh, and then slash test and do this little test and then you know what it's what the book is about. Yeah, it's funny to read. I would recommend it. Factfulness from Hans Rosling and the webpage is um, gapminder.org slash test. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Check what what what's going on in your brain. What do you think about the world? And compare yourself to chimps. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the best place for people to follow your work? Unless we share a job, maybe the hotel bar. Um, <laughs> I have my webpage. From time to time, I post a blog there. And then I have my, uh, a Facebook page for music and the trainings. And I do yeah, my advertising there. You can follow me there. Uh, we can talk there. We can have discussions there. Well, Bodo Felus... Thank you so much for joining me on Sound Design Live. Thank you, Nason. Nice to talk to you. Sound Design. I want to thank Bodo for all the music in today's episode. If you want to find more of his music, you can do that over at www.felush.com. That's F-E-L-U-S-C-H.com. Sound Design Live is supported by Learn Stage Lighting, Pedro Ryan, Bob, Martin, Michael, Rody Free Radio, Joel, Ellis, Senqui, Nicholas, Nicholas, Kuba, Chris, DC Sound Op, and Dave. You can start supporting Sound Design Live today for as little as $1 over at patreon.com slash sounddesignlive. <laughs>